News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Kind of a kind of a slow few days. But it's Tuesday, it's two o'clock, and that means we chat with the Speaker of the North Carolina House, Tim Moore. Mr. Speaker, how are you? Kind of a slow news cycle, huh? Yeah, then tell the truth. Good to be with you today. Uh, I appreciate it, as always. So uh, I guess right to it, right? Um, Is there going to be an effort to draw new maps? When and how? So we are certainly going to draw new maps. We are looking at the the order from the Supreme Court. It's very difficult to really understand what they are asking. It's almost just like, they're saying be fair, which, of course, we thought we were fair with what we did before. But we're going to go through, look at some of the metrics that are looked at and considered out there, things like the efficiency gap and uh, some of these means that are, are put in place through some mathematical formulas. And, uh, and so we're going to work to try to do something uh, that, that we think the court would uphold. But we also are looking at an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. There was a decision that came down yesterday where they upheld the maps in Alabama, and we think that that would certainly embolden our case. And so we're hoping that the uh, that the, the court will be fair with what we do to try to work within that, but certainly if we feel like the court is not, uh, then we reserve the right to uh, take this for the U.S. Supreme Court as well. So the the Alabama case, is that my reading of Kavanaugh's uh, opinion was that it was essentially Purcell related, right? Like it's it's too close to an election. You're going to throw it all into chaos. And so give them time to litigate the case, essentially. And I know a lot of people like losing their minds over it, but it, it they, they they didn't say like we're ruling on the merits of the case. Right. Well, I think they I, I think at the core of that, they recognized the constitutional authority and responsibility of the legislature to draw those maps and that a legislature should be afforded a great deal of uh, discretion and authority when it comes to that. And if you look, uh, Pete, at what the state Supreme Court did in their decision, they actually are significantly undercutting that constitutional authority. And and the other, the other uh, issue is that you know, while while the state court is reviewing it on state law, the U.S. Supreme Court has made clear in other um, cases that where it also does affect federal elections, which it would in this case with Congress, mm-hmm. that uh, the U.S. Supreme Court will take the case. And we believe that if we go that route, that they would take it and that they would deal with it, both in terms of the congressional maps, but as well as the legislative maps. So uh, that we, we feel really good about that. We also... Uh, I mean, before the three-judge panel, bear in mind, this panel upheld our maps. And this is the panel that is going to be given the opportunity to review what we do now. So we're going to take what the Supreme Court has um, uh, laid out as least best we can understand it. And when we go through that, and, and we're going to look at trying to make some of the districts, I guess, under their argument, more fair. Um, I mean, the reality is, I'll give you an example. You can't draw a Republican state house district in downtown Durham. You're probably not going to do it. But guess what? You probably can't draw a Democratic state house district in Lexington, North Carolina. Uh, they're just that's just the way the state. You find the state all over the place, and you know you've got more. Give me an example, Pete. And I kind of wonder where the outrage is from Democrats. 
out of all of the Democratic House members, I think it's 12 seats, in Mecklenburg County, only one is a Republican. Wake County, same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and you do with some of the arguments of the Democrats is that those districts aren't fair. I mean, do they want it all? Is that what yes. they want? Yes, that's a fair and, map. And so it's just, you, you kind of wonder, what, what what's what's their, I mean, I know their ultimate goal is to be in the majority, but at the end of the day, they need to respect the will of the voters, the voters that put this Republican legislature in office. Right, yeah, and well, and they would argue, well, the the voters didn't do that because of the gerrymandered lines, and that, and so we didn't get a fair shot to do that, even though the lines that were used in the last election were the lines that were drawn by the courts, right, or or drawn after the last court uh, round of court uh, uh, rulings. Uh, you know, I, and, and how how do you respond to some circular reasoning like that, right? Right, you just yeah. can't. It's not it's not intellectually honest when they do that. So um, at some point, as what, a, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, as a as a as a lawyer, at some point, do you do you risk peeling away so much of the infrastructure around the law that it's essentially meaningless? Right? That, that like, it, I'm not a lawyer, but I should be able to read it and understand. Here are the criteria. These are the rules. There, the court didn't give you any guidance on that. But all I see is more interpretation and divination of meaning behind language that did not exist or certainly is not in the clear text of it and to me that seems corrosive to the uh to the law itself what the supreme court has done and if it continues down this path is causing significant damage to the rule of law and to the constitutional checks and balances of power in this state I mean, the Constitution is clear, Pete. It is the authority and it is the responsibility of the North Carolina legislature to draw the legislative districts. It is not the responsibility of the court. The only time the court should get involved is if the is if the General Assembly has, has run afoul of the state Constitution. And so why is it that the redistricting that has been upheld for decades and centuries, where you the legislature's had that is all of a sudden now being deemed to run afoul of the Constitution. And it's under something as nebulous, basically, as a fairness doctrine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nowhere. That, how do you even what does that mean? And to your point, you should know what the law is. It's like if the speed limit was instead of having a number, it said just drive nice. What does that mean? Uh, and, and so there needs to be certainty in the law. And, and with all due respect to the Supreme Court, what they've done in the interest of pushing a political partisan agenda is doing damage to uh, to the rule of law in this state. But you know what? Ultimately, it's going to be up to the voters in November this year. And I got a feeling that they're going to they're going to set all this straight. Then. Um, why not uh, take this as an opportunity to create your own, quote, fair standard? In other words, if like, if we're seeing this kind of litigation, these types of actions, it's not going to stop because we understand the politics behind the forces that are driving this stuff. So why not seize, to use a term that uh, is always attached to Republicans, pouncing and seizing? How about take the opportunity and say, you know what, here is the fairness standard, whatever it is, you come up with whatever that standard is, rather than, you know, not doing it and then letting what a, a you know a four three Democrat court impose some sort of a nebulous fairness standard on the legislative body. 
Well, and that's what we will do in our redraw. In our redraw, you know what what some on the Democratic side try to argue is like for some sort of proportional representation, right? Which has not been upheld as something by any court anywhere. And what that would mean is that um, if you had X percent for governor, then you should be that should be somehow reflected in the legislature. But that's not how it works. I mean, if we believe in folks being able to vote for their representatives for their districts, then those representatives are going to represent the values and beliefs of those districts. And if you look at the land mass of the state and the population that's spread out there, most of the state is conservative. What you have is you have the urban areas and some of the suburban areas are your concentration of, of liberal and Democratic voters. And so as a result, like I mentioned earlier, you won't have a Republican from downtown Durham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that and so the the people are actually deciding who their representatives are. It's almost like the argument that the uh, uh, the Democrats want to make is they want uh, the court to pick who the voter who the voters uh, or who's going to represent the voters. And I think nothing could be more fundamentally undemocratic than that. Well, they only want the court to do it just for now until they can get back in control of the legislature. Then they'll totally be fine going back to the way it was before. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think it, that's it the... cer- you know what? It certainly <laughs> looks that way. Yeah. Uh, House Speaker Tim Moore, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time, sir, as always. Appreciate it. Great to be with you. News Talk 1110 wbt Thanks again to the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore. The, the issue is the hypocrisy. With the Stacey Abrams story and with the um, with this redistricting, uh, the the gerrymander maps argument, that's that's the issue. People can see it. It hacks people off. Now, I know that this doesn't carry any purchase any longer in politics, but I think among a lot of people in the general public, it does. People see it. It undermines your credibility. Right. So. So what's more, it also harms your ability to call out hypocrisy among others. You don't get to make the case anymore. This is why I say I'm looking at the Democratic Party like as a as a monolith, as a whole, as a party, as a unit, as an organization, and you are hypocritical on the gerrymandering of the districts. Perfect example here. In the story by Will Duran at News and Observer, he has a quote at the very, 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 very end of the article. It's a very lengthy article. For the most part, pretty good. He's got quotes from different people. He's got uh, one in here from G.K. Butterfield, U.S. congressman from North Carolina, who's now not running for re-election, and uh, he blamed the redistricting um, for why he could not win. And uh, here it is. A lot is at stake, and not just within the boundaries of North Carolina. A majority in the U.S. House of Representatives is 218 seats. Democrats currently have 222, right? So a four-seat Democrat majority in the House. The maps that were just struck down in North Carolina would have given Republicans at least two additional seats, maybe three. See, this is why it's why you have to look at the party machinations at the macro level as well, because, you know, Speaker Moore is well aware, as is every Republican working on the maps, they're all well aware, and they probably get conversations from people at the national level asking, how are your maps going? Do you need help? Can we send experts? Whatever. Like, the, the Democrats are playing this game, too. They both are playing the same game. 
Okay? Right now, here's what Butterfield says, the congressman. Here's what he says. Right now, Republicans are down four seats in the U.S. House, and they see opportunities to pick up three seats in North Carolina. The map for control of the House clearly comes through North Carolina. So here's the follow-up question that I would have asked. How are the Republicans down four seats? How did that happen, and why are they still? We, I mean, Think about this. Because of the redistricting and the gerrymandering that Democrats are perpetrating in states they control, we could see Democrats keep control of the House by very slim, a very slim margin. It could still happen. It's still, but this is a year. This is what is shaping up to be a red wave year. Imagine that. Imagine that scenario where Republicans sweep every state and race at all levels except in the states where Democrats drew the maps. Where's the outrage on that? There isn't any. I'm not seeing, I do not see, I, I don't, I don't see Roy Cooper trying to tell his Democrats, hey, stop doing that. He's the head of the Governor's Association. Right? The Democrat Governors Association? Why aren't you speaking out on this? You'll speak out on it here, but you're not going to condemn all of those other states for doing it too? You're not going to take your own to the woodshed? Why not? You're not crossing your own. But you're going to bash Republicans for not crossing their own, right? This is what I mean. Everybody sees it. Nobody is going, no one is going to believe you. You don't have credibility on it when you call the Republicans hypocrites because you are as well, right? You're simply using the argument in order to gain leverage and advantage in the argument. Uh, University of California, Irvine law professor Rick Hassan, he's an election law expert, and uh, he's quoted in this piece, too. He says, Republicans might not be able to argue in favor of the state legislative maps at the high court, the U.S. Supreme Court, Hassan says, but they could try to at least save their map for the state's 14 seats in the U.S. House. He said they could try to argue that state courts have no authority to overturn the maps used for congressional elections since those are federal elections. That's one potential argument. You just go to the U.S. Supreme Court over your congressional districts and not the state, House, and Senate districts. That's possible, too. Um, One of the... Yeah, here it is. One of the Democrats' main complaints through the congressional map was the triad area. But also Mecklenburg County, Wake County as well, had the same effect. Um, Greensboro, High Point, and Winston-Salem, they, they, they're all drawn together in one district. Right? That is a safe Democrat seat held by Representative Kathy Manning. Republicans created that seat in 2019 in order to resolve a different partisan gerrymandering lawsuit that was filed against them. But when the new round of redistricting began, they split up the triad again. And in the maps that were just struck down, the area is divided into four congressional districts, each stretching out into large areas of rural North Carolina, and each is a safe Republican seat. And they did the same in Mecklenburg County. And so that's what they're saying. So they're try- they would like, Democrats would like to have more congressional seats based in the urban areas. And that's why Speaker Moore said they want gerrymandering, but for them. (laughs) They want it to benefit them. That's a fair map for them. All right, so I'm looking at the uh, Twitter machine, as I do during the breaks, and it looks like screenshots of what the court is requiring 
on the redrawing of the maps. Let me bring on uh, the chairman of the North Carolina, whoop, the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, Michael Watley, joins us again. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. It's good to be on with you. So, um, I'm not aware. Like, are you aware of anything that just popped right, like a, a couple of minutes ago, about uh, the courts or anything? Or are we just going to pretend like it was five minutes ago and just uh, uh, talk about our, our understanding of the court case? from five minutes ago, because now I think something just happened. No, I hadn't heard anything. All right. Um, Okay, good. So I think, (laughs) yeah, look, I think, you know, the biggest thing that we've got is, uh, you know, that as as you've heard from Tim Moore and and the Senate, uh, they're planning on drawing uh, the maps again, and they've got, you know, criterion uh, that have been uh, not really laid out very clearly by the Supreme Court. Uh, At the end of the day, you know, it's a highly partisan play that the Supreme Court has made here. Uh, we had maps that were drawn on a bipartisan basis in the House. Maps are drawn on a bipartisan basis in the Senate, approved by a bipartisan uh, trial court panel. Uh, and, uh, you know, then we had four Democrats uh, suspend filing, uh, hijack the calendar, and now throw the maps out. So uh, there's, there's obviously, you know, when they redraw uh, the, the maps here, uh, they're going to have to try and, and divine what it is that the court wants them to do. So because I, I can't help myself, I went and I kept looking. So apparently the lower court has just uh, uh, announced the appointment of a special master to draw remedial maps while the legislature draws its maps. So this way, if they reject the legislative maps, they'll be able to just put the special master maps in place. That seems to be what everyone is uh, is talking about. So, um, and, and I will I'll, I'll explore more on that uh, uh, during the next break. But that's that that's apparently what everybody is uh, going on about. And I and I don't generally I I try never to make predictions on court cases um, and elections. But um, on this, like it, it's getting real tough for me not to just expect there to be. Uh, partisan rulings coming from the bench. Now, the Democrats are arguing that that's all because voters know if a judge is a Democrat or a Republican. And I saw the McClatchy editorial board, they really went after Judge Newby over his dissent in this case. Uh, and I pointed out yesterday, you know, Newby was first elected under the nonpartisan election system. So I don't understand why he's the poster child for this corrupted system. But I also don't think that it's I don't think it's it's a problem for people to see that their judges are D's or R's. Do you? No, because those judges are Republicans and Democrats, whether you label them or not. Uh, the Democratic Party, uh, you know, worked very, very aggressively to put Democrats on that court, even when they didn't have labels. Uh, and they certainly have tried to, to do so this time, uh, this last cycle around. So, you know, the, the fact is that... Uh, whether they have labels or not, there definitely are liberals and conservatives. There are Republicans and there are Democrats. I think it's better for voters to understand uh, who those folks are when they vote for them, and they can make a better, uh, more informed choice. And what we saw last cycle here in North Carolina uh, with those labels was the Republicans were able to win three out of three Supreme Court seats and five out of five Court of Appeals seats. So uh, not surprisingly, the the Democrats are are howling about that. Right, and this is the thing that always gets me. Uh, voters in this state have 
preferred Republican judges as long as I've been here. So and that was why uh, Democrats were so keen to get the, na- the the party IDs removed from the ballot <laughs> so people could be confused. And honestly, then you end up with less voter participation in those races, which, you know, kind of shockingly, uh, you know, the party that's all about democracy, right? Like all of a sudden now they, they want to uh, they want to minimize voter participation in certain races. And then that also raises the influence and impact of uh, the lawyers and the, the legal community itself. They get outsized influence in those elections and i don't think that's particularly healthy either um so i'll ask you this on um, at a at a at a higher level why not and i asked the speaker the same question so why not attempt to uh create a fairness standard of some kind why not try and figure something out so this way it doesn't get crammed down the party's throat if Democrats get to write the fairness standard? Yeah, look, the, the North Carolina Constitution uh, is, is very clear uh, that the legislature is to draw the maps. You know, the, the United States Supreme Court ruled in 2019 that uh, the drawing of these maps is an inherently political process, and it is the sole purview of the state legislature to draw those maps. If it is an inherently partisan process, as the Supreme Court says, uh, you know, then then you can go ahead and determine what you want. But what we see from the Democrats is fairness means more Democrat seats. Uh, and fairness means maps that Democrats like, uh, not the other way around. And, you know, what, what I have argued uh, for years is that we want the courts to stay out of the, the drawing of these lines um, and if we have a conservative court, then we would assume uh, that they would stay out of it and let the legislature do their job. Unfortunately, with a Democrat liberal court, uh, that they are going to intervene uh, as they have here. Doesn't that really? But that gets to sort of a different philosophy on governing, right? I mean, you kind of just said it there yourself. I mean, from the not just in in you know the legislative or executive branches, but also in the judiciary, there is a there is a, a hesitancy, right, to to inject oneself into areas that they're not you know uh, delineated to be in in the Constitution. Whereas the a progressive philosophy says no, that's precisely the place to be doing that work. So are you is, are you hamstringing yourself in that regard? Look, I think that we have separation of powers in our Constitution, both North Carolina and federal, for a reason, uh, and uh, that uh, you know we want decisions to be made uh, as close to the people as close to the voters as possible, which is why you have the legislature set up to do all of the legislating. You know, Democrats are not able to win, uh, you know, the legislative seats. They're not able to win their majorities. Then they're going to try and enforce their uh, political views either through a governor, you know, who is overreaching or through, in this case, the courts that are overreaching. I remember a couple, this is probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, I remember when they were first arguing a lot of this stuff in the courts and they they made this case um, that they could not attract enough candidates and they could not raise enough money. And, like, that was their argument in court. And then they literally put out press releases touting candidates in every district like the first time ever that they had recruited candidates for every district race and that they had raised record amounts of money. And 
and now I look back on that and I think those races that they recruited all the candidates, was that simply to build the case for now for them to say, well, look at all of these legislative races. We had all of these votes cast for all of these candidates. Was that the play the whole time in order to to make this argument for essentially a proportionality standard? Well, I don't know if they were planning it that way, but it certainly comes around to it. And they definitely are arguing for a proportionality. I mean, if you if you take the Democrats and the Supreme Court's, uh, you know, uh, ruling here uh, at face value, they're basically saying the Democrats are a protected class under the North Carolina Constitution. And that is absolutely not something that you can see with a plain reading of the Constitution. Yeah. Which and uh, and I said this the other day. If this is the new standard, I got. I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that were wearing MAGA hats a couple of years ago that got assaulted that would love to be able to argue for protected class status under the law now. Um, I don't because that to me. And then I mean, then what about libertarians? Do they get a seat in the legislature? I mean, a proportionality argument. Why wouldn't that apply to every party that is able to run any candidate that organizes itself? Shouldn't everybody get a seat then? It, it just it seems. It seems unmanageable, probably by design. Well, it also is is a double standard when you consider how the the maps, uh, the district maps for Charlotte City Council yeah. and Mecklenburg County Commission, uh, what we see up in Wake County, where there are no Republicans uh, that are on those, despite the fact that there's you know clearly a proportion of Republican voters uh, in Wake and in Mecklenburg County. Uh, when you look at uh, the New York maps. Uh, where they're drawing a 23 to 3 Democrat advantage uh, and wiping out five Republican districts. You look at the maps that we've seen in Illinois or Maryland, other places around the country. Uh, Democrats are all about gerrymandering uh, when it is to their advantage. Uh, and they, they howl in protest when uh, there is a map that is supposedly a Republican gerrymander like in North Carolina. Yeah. Well, it's different when they do it. That's what I've uh, that's that's my understanding. And a fair map is uh, one that elects Democrats. That's the that's what the rule is. Uh, Michael Wadley from the North Carolina Republican Party. As always, a pleasure. sir. thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. Take care. All right. So uh, Will Duran from News and Observer reporting on the Twitter machine. New court order is out in North Carolina. Gerrymandering case. Mostly it provides some details for the lawyers and the experts who will be drawing the new maps for the court to consider. Uh, this is the trial court, the lower court. Also says all sides only have till tomorrow to name potential special masters to review and possibly draw maps. All right, so that's the latest development in the never-ending gerrymandering saga of North Carolina. Let's join, uh, or let's get uh, Jerry on the phone here. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete, two things very quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you've said this before, so that's probably where I learned it. But uh, if they if they had confidence in their arguments and their ideologies, if the Democrats are so sure that everybody wants to throw millions at trillions at climate change and Green New Deal and blah, 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 what are they so afraid of? Just let the districts be drawn how they are. And it goes for the Republicans, too, who I think stink just as much. Um if you have confidence, my God, if Republicans can't make an argument about everything that's going on enough to convince people, then they deserve to lose. Uh, the other thing, you're usually so great with follow-up questions. And when you were talking to Watley, I was like screaming at my phone, ask him what he's doing. 
I what do you mean? What do you, about I, what? I don't have. I don't hold him in very high regard, and I was just busting for you to ask him. So, what are you doing about all of it? Because what? you know, there's uh, the other side is scheming and planning and strategizing behind the scenes, even mm-hmm. while this litigation is playing out. They're thinking ten steps ahead, and Republicans in the state have their heads up. You know where? Well, so two things. Number one, as the chairman of the party, I'm not sure he's. I'm not sure that's his role is to is to scheme and and create the strategy for the map drawing. That I don't know if that's his role. He's he's a turnout guy. He's he's the guy that's like get candidates, fundraise for candidates, uh, make sure that you know they get the resources necessary that the elections uh, have uh, you know volunteers and phone callers and that like the operational side of things. I think that's and the PR side. But I don't know if his. I don't know if he's involved in that level of the of the court case. I think they've got the lawyers for that. But also, I think that's what Speaker Moore and the legislators are about. And even more, I mean, Moore is the Speaker of the House, but I'm not sure he is in the weeds on all of the redistricting stuff like Destin Hall was. That was when his lieutenant that he put in charge of the the map drawing in the in the House. And and isn't that sad that Watley is only so singularly focused on what he's quote supposed to be handling and that and that speaker Moore is not in the weeds about everything because no. you know folks on the other side no. are and they no, they're not play by the rules no they're not Jerry hang on no don't you, so you're doing the same thing that the the left does to the right you they say the same thing they literally say the same thing that oh we're like herding cats and those guys are all disciplined and they're doing it way better than we are like they, that's what they say too so i reject the idea that like the other guys are doing it better or worse just because they're the other guys and they are different than us i think I don't think, actually, that you want a chairman to be in the weeds or a House Speaker to be in the weeds on all of these details, because then you become overwhelmed. That's just like management. You can't you can't possibly manage that many different things, because like how in the weeds does he get then on education, on Medicare or Medicaid expansion, uh, on, you know, veto overrides and like he's got a he's got a lot of different areas that he's got to manage as the as the speaker right so that's why you dole out you farm out that stuff to your lieutenants that's why you have your leadership team so no i don't i don't totally yeah. totally agree with that that you dole it out to the to the lieutenants but there's i, I don't see any excuse for why he shouldn't be very plugged in and very um Right. Okay. So I understand. So you don't. I, I and I get it. A message received. You don't like Watley. But um. So but so I am kind of curious though. Like, do you expect him to tell everybody on the radio what their strategy is? Would you want oh, that? Oh gosh. No. 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 I. No. I don't. Okay. I, I just. I just think that I'm tired of of the of Republicans not being. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm I'm tired of Republicans not being as devious. As Democrats are, um, and I, I don't. Well, careful I think, what you wish you for might, on that. You might be old enough to remember back to I don't even know. Probably like the seventies, maybe a guy named Lee Atwater. Nope, he was before my time. Yeah, no, he was before my time. But I don't know if you want to be associated with a party that does that. Jerry, i got to run. I'm I'm way late for the uh, end of the program, actually. But thank you for the call. Good chatting with you. Brett Winterbill coming up next. Stay tuned. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Do not break anything while I'm gone.